Hello, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators, home of NARC Troopers. Please visit my website, narctroopers.com, where you will find all my stuff, YouTube video blogs and podcasts and articles that I write on the Medium platform and tons of other um, helpful things. Today's topic is when the family curse is mental illness. A lot of people talk about narcissism as if it's something that is inherited or passed along in some generational epigenetic, um, like generational trauma, predisposition through genetics or hereditary disorder or something like that, right? You've heard this before. So can you end the cycle of mental illness within a family because these things have indeed happened to you? So if there's one thing that I know a lot about, it is the ravages of mental illness on the person with the disease and on their children and other family members. My mother was mentally ill and then I married two mentally ill men who had mentally disordered mothers. And scattered throughout all the different families was the common thread of sickness of mind and spirit. I must have had my own brand of madness to choose to love those who cannot love me in return. But the worst part, the saddest part, is not my choice to recapitulate the familiar dynamic of dysfunction, but rather the impact it has had on my children as they must manage the consequences of it all. One of the most compelling features of codependency, unhealthy attachment styles, and abandonment issues is the uncontrollable need to fix all the broken people in your life. If your early childhood had a major caregiver who suffered from a mental health disease, it, well, it's more likely that you're going to reconstruct that dynamic in your adult life. Perhaps you believe that this time it will be different. This time you can heal them. This time they will see you and hear you and validate your existence. But the quest is doomed to fail. We do not have the power to save those around us. We can only save ourselves. It's possible to offer help, resources, compassion, and unconditional love to those who are dysregulated mentally or emotionally. However, it is ultimately up to them to seek help, stick to medication regimens, and build the support that will help them heal or maintain sobriety. Unfortunately, all too often, the sickest among us do not believe they are sick at all or in any kind of need of help. One of the hallmark qualities of cluster B disorders is the denial that they are less than perfect. Their false selves are delusional and sometimes they just exist in an alternate reality far from the world that the rest of us are consigned to. And people with schizoid disorders 
and other psychotic disorders also lack agency to seek help or follow through with treatment plans due to their delusions and denial, not to mention paranoia and emotional paralysis, among other things. There's a whole laundry list of things that could prevent them from seeking treatment or help. You know, the narcissist doesn't think there's anything wrong with them. They blame shift. They rewrite history. They, they write their own script for the present and the future, which is no way grounded in reality. It, it's just, it's not. There's nothing real about it. It's a complete del delusional disorder. And, and the narcissist cannot distinguish what is real and what is not. They can make themselves believe anything, you know? Um, and they do. They do make themselves believe their own um, confabulations, let's call them. Some will argue that mental illness is a type of demonic possession. The history of the treatment of mentally ill people and the origins of these illnesses is rife with misguided beliefs that lead to cruelty and torture beyond the imagination. When atrocities were not being committed against the mentally ill, this is like in the past, um, they were often cast into insane asylums to languish and quietly wither away out of the public eye. Mental illness was stigmatized and shamed into the shadows. There was no safe place for the dysregulated to live among the normal society members. With time and technology, new understandings of the etymology of brain disorders have come to light. But while progress has taken the folk tales and superstitions out of the illness, misunderstanding prevails and ignorance and regardless of advocacy from many different groups, it is still stigmatized. It's no wonder that families do not broadcast these diagnoses or, you know, attempt to manage them in ways that would require some kind of public admission. They try to keep them quietly, secretly behind closed doors because there's still um, kind of a shame and stigma factor attached to all of this. As a child of the 70s, my first realization that something was not right in my house began quite early before I even started to school. People were secretive about family members who had mental health issues, but it was impossible to hide that my mother suffered from profound illness. Her complete unraveling happened regularly and predictably and frequently resulted in the police coming to our house to get things under control. What do you do with that? My dad, well, he would sometimes make jokes about having her committed to the nut house or the loony bin, but I knew he was only halfway kidding. And, you know, but still at the same time, maybe not that far away from actually sending her off. I remember the day before she died. I stood at the door of the dimly lit hospital room and I stared at the tiny little woman, pitifully childlike and helpless as she lay in the big hospital bed. And I thought to myself, this is it. 
she's going to die, and then it will be too late. She will take away the impossible chance that she will ever actually see me, hear me, know me as a real person. She was already in her death spiral coma, you know, when I arrived the next morning. So I missed the opportunity to try one last time to solicit a response or say any last words that might make a difference. I didn't grieve the loss of a relationship because there really wasn't one. I grieved the loss of the potential, the possibility, what might have been with just a little more time. You know, that's the crazy thing about all of this. I never give up. I mean, my gosh, talk about persistent and determined. I just never give up. I never got to the point where I accepted that my mother couldn't give me what I needed because she didn't have it to give. She didn't even know what it was. She was too sick to do it. And I was trying to get something from somebody who just... um you know, was incapable. And that was just impossible for me to wrap my, my mind around when I was younger. And then I went on and created the same dynamic with two different husbands. And it was, it was the same thing. I just wanted them to love me, see me, hear me, validate me, uh, you know, let, let me know that they were experiencing me as a human being. Uh, as an individual with an identity and wishes and dreams and feelings and hopes and all of that. I never got that from any of them because none of them were capable of even knowing how to provide that. They weren't capable of doing it for themselves and they sure weren't capable of doing it for anyone else. And so who was the silly foolish one? It was me, me for just never giving up and just saying, Hey, you are mentally not okay. You are incapable of, of giving me what I need. And so I'm going to stop trying to get it from you. I'm just going to stop, stop doing that. Stop hoping for it and expecting it and dreaming of it and thinking everything would just be so perfect and everything wonderful. If, 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 if you could just love me, if you could just for one instant, just acknowledge my being, my humanity, my essence, my personhood, just for one second, look at me and just say, oh, I get it now. Oh, I see all this time what you wanted. I'm so sorry that I did not provide that and that I did not give that to you. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. And I just kept thinking just a little bit more time. If I just wait, if I just keep trying, if I just sweep all the abuse under the rug, all the betrayals, all the failures, all the craziness, and just all of it, if I just ignore all the horrible stuff, then eventually they're going to wake up. They're going to see the light. They're going to have an epiphany, a light bulb moment. They're going to go, aha, aha, I get it now. I get it now. You know what? None of them ever did that. Probably my first husband was the closest. I mean, my mom did not even come close to ever doing that. And my second husband, the one that was the narcissist, he couldn't do it. He couldn't admit that he was 
the one who caused so much betrayal and insanity and grief in the relationship that he was the one who who failed to be a decent human with any kind of morality and loyalty and dedication to their partner he couldn't ever admit that because he's a narcissist and they have to always be right they have to always be the good guys the heroes the victims it always has to be them no matter how they have to spin the story no matter how much wild crazy nonsense they have to just pull out of thin air and just construct out of nothing they're gonna do that they're gonna do that so that they never have to take responsibility for anything ever so um yeah i i mean they were they just couldn't do it and uh you know a couple of years later my first wrote me a letter and said i i was foolish to not see the truth I'm sorry that I was such an arrogant, cheating dirtbag. That's <laughs> something to that effect. And it was okay. I, I mean, I just, I accepted what, what he was and what he could and could not do. And I moved on. You can do that with a normal, like, well, not normal, but you can do that in a relationship with someone who's not a narcissist or psychopath. When you get tangled up with the narcissist and psychopath, you can't do that. You can't just walk away and say, okay, all right, well, you know, silly you, you should have known it's too late now. Okay, go have a great life. I'm going to do the same. We tried and yeah, okay, bye-bye. You can't do that. You can't because you're all messed up in some seriously profound ways that your regular mental health professional will not know. They don't know what that is. They don't, they have not experienced a narcissistic uh, relationship with the abuse and the brainwashing and the, in, you know, enmeshment and entrainment and the voices in the head and the trauma bonding and the cognitive dissonance and gaslighting and forward salad and blame shifting. And like, I could just go on and on. I wish I had a list. I could just rattle it off to you. It would take 10 minutes to read the whole list of the crazy stuff that you only experience with a narcissist or a psychopath nobody else nobody else just them and the aftermath the recovery of it after they're gone only with a narcissist and a psychopath nobody else it's a very special unique different type of experience and a lot of people don't know what it is a lot of people that are tasked with the titles to help you don't know what it is and they can't help you and they you know you have to be careful with that they misinterpret it they misdiagnose it they throw prescription medicine at you as the only solution that they can come up with no that's not going to help you you have to deal with this head on and and find uh find the kind of support that's going to help you um get through this so anyway um Back to what I was saying, you know, my first husband was on his way to becoming a brilliant physician. He graduated top of his class and all of that, but you know, he suffered from mental illness. He had schizophrenia, paranoid schizophrenia to be specific was the diagnosis that was made. And, um, you know, he had his first psychotic break only a few years after finishing medical school. That's so tragic. This is a brilliant man that just um 
you know, self-combusted with his mental illness and it ruined his life. You know, I, I didn't think of the implications like the hereditary component, the impossible odds that I would face as I sat beside my two sons that I had had with him. But, you know, it's hard to ignore that, um, you know, when you have children with people who are mentally ill, they're, you know, the, the whole hereditary predisposition, you know, that's a thing. It's a definite thing that can be passed on from one generation to the next. Um, so as if that were not enough, um, you know, of course I did it again the second time marrying a tragically inappropriate person who was deeply damaged and who finally showed me that, um, you know, 16 years later, that he was just this charming predator with narcissistic personality disorder. He was a vulnerable covert narcissist. And, um, that's the worst kind. That's not my personal opinion. You'll find a lot of people who will tell you that is the worst kind. And they'll tell you the reasons why too, but I don't want to get off the subject here. Um, there were a million red flags along the way, but I closed my eyes and stepped into the shared fantasy and disappeared, leaving behind my life, my children, my career, and my sanity. Our mutual psychosis was intermittent reinforcement personified with bliss and then torture, joy and then betrayal. And it just kept going in these like cycles of these two extremes. I didn't have the strength to leave. And as a result, I lost everything that ever mattered by the time he discarded me in June of 2019. So what can we do to help the people in our lives that suffer from mental illness? Is there anything we can do? What, what, what can we do to create the necessary boundaries that prevent us from being sucked in and swept away by the whirlwind of their illness and their delusions and all of that? People with mental health or addiction problems are not always willing to seek treatment either. They may not believe that there's even a problem. They may feel that they can address the issue on their own and they can't admit that they have anything wrong. Um, you know, they don't want treatment. They don't want intervention. You know, you may be tempted to repeatedly beg or threaten your family member to seek that treatment. But unfortunately, this often results in a breakdown of communication and the person shutting you out completely. You can try to find the right person who might approach them and have them suggest that that person see their family doctor or make an appointment for a mental health assessment consult kind of thing. But you know, all of this is tricky more times than not, they're going to refuse that treatment. And if their safety or the safety of other people are at risk, you know, it may be time to call 911. And um, that is a really tough intervention to take, but they will come take them and have them evaluated for 48 hours or something like that. When authorities are called, you know, there's always the risk. It's going to be handled in a way that will only exacerbate the problem, but you've got to weigh uh, the risk and the benefits. 
like like with everything you weigh the risk and the benefits um if everything else fails there are legal avenues to have someone picked up and taken for evaluation possibly long-term uh, treatment uh, if they are deemed a threat to themselves or others i myself exercised this option and went to the county clerk's office to file an order to pick up my family member who was unable to care for himself and was in, he was in imminent danger uh, of dying and it resulted in nearly six months of treatment and the diagnosis that was much needed um, you know it was the only way hopefully there are other less aggressive ways to secure help for them family interventions church clergy members co colleagues maybe people at employers might require an evaluation as part of the agreement to continue employment I don't know you have to explore all of that the family physician could be contacted for a conversation as part of a regular checkup if you kind of give them a heads up on that and put that on their radar some mental health conditions respond more favorably to treatment than others people with narcissistic personality disorder antisocial personality disorder like sociopaths and psychopaths are reported to have um, the least success in the mitigation of their order in disorder in fact everybody will agree that these personality disorders really can't be treated or cured at best they learn to modify behaviors or to act like they have been improved or healed or something when in fact they have not they only learn another skill to appear healthy it's like it's like using uh, cognitive empathy or cold empathy that's where you're aware that another person you can identify their feeling they're suffering they're angry they're whatever you just don't give a fudge cake right you just don't care if they're you know you feel no emotional response like most people do when you see someone else suffering it hurts you to see them hurting narcissists don't have that ability they may have the cold empathy but not the emotional empathy they can't emotionally connect or attach or or feel another person's pain ever imagine that can you imagine that never being able to make that very human connection that's pretty scary if you think about that and it's pretty sad too um so check out different resources like you can check the 12-step programs Al-Anon NAMI which is the one for mental health it's like mental health Grand Central Station go there to like get connected with you know all kinds of stuff uh, Mia MIA is another one um, and um, you know there's a lot people say that trauma comes to you in a variety of ways and mental health mental health issues mental illness comes to you in a variety of ways it can come through you know a predisposition through hereditary um, methods it can come to you even in the womb they say pregnant women who experience trauma traumatize their babies in the womb there are cellular ch changes in in the babies because 
trauma uh, changes your cells, the cell structure. It sure does. Look it up. Read the research. That's not just my opinion. That's how it is. Um, you know, maybe, uh, well, you do not. Okay, so what you don't want to do is perpetuate mental illness in your family and keep that cycle going through enabling, enmeshing, um, excusing, like destructive or dangerous behavior, any of that. Families who grow up in homes with a mentally ill parent will invariably be damaged to some capacity. They just will. It's unavoidable. They often grow up and repeat the same patterns and dynamics with adult partners and thus the cycle of mental illness keeps going. Staying with an impaired partner can be impactful to your own mental health and cause a host of other challenges that make wellness and happiness difficult, if not impossible. Sometimes one must accept that they cannot help, save, rescue, or heal anyone else. Sometimes people are too sick to ever function as healthy individuals. Most people with mental illness respond well to treatment and hold the hope of having and living a good quality of life with their families and with the right support and resources. But there are some types of mental illness like the narcissist and the psychopath who cannot, they can not. It is important to distinguish the diagnosis and act prudently to protect yourself and others from those who are incapable of change and will always leave a path of sorrow wherever they go. Thank you for being here and let's hold our faith and our hope in our journey forward. These are tough times and going through this makes it that much tougher. I am here for you and um, we're going to get through this uh, together. So thanks for being here and I'll see you again soon. Bye. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.